Hello, guys. Good evening on this amazing Tuesday. I have an amazing, an amazing story to sh to share today. Um, he is someone who has been through so much, and his story is so inspiring that after I heard it, I knew that that he had to share it to so many people. Um, it's an honor to have you on the show, and his name is. Bobby, the um, show was yours. Well, first of all, Evan, I want to thank you for having me. I I really am grateful for these opportunities. Um, I'm a stay-at-home dad now, and whenever I can get an opportunity to tell my story, if it'll help other people, that's, aside from what I'm doing in my house, those are the things I'm trying to get involved in now. So to have this platform and to be with you today is, for me, an honor. And I really, really do very much appreciate it. Of course. So you want me to just tell my story? Yes, please. You got it. Okay. So, yours. <laughs> so I am actually a third generation legally blind person. Um, my grandparents on my mother's side, both were born with cataracts. And I believe they both had glaucoma. Not sure. And... They had two children of their own. One was my mother, who was legally blind, and one was my uncle, and he he was normally sighted. So, skip ahead a couple of decades. My mother went to the Lavelle School for the Blind in the Bronx, and there she met my dad. They were at a school dance in the eighth grade, and a nun put them together and said, you will be together forever. And that old lady knew what she was talking about <laughs> because of it. they were. And they had five children. We were all born. Well, no, my youngest brother, he was born in 1981. So we were all 70s babies, me and my four brothers and sisters. And um, all of us either have mom's condition or dad's condition. Actually, it worked out kind of funny that the boys have mom's condition. And the girls have dad's condition. Now, mom's condition, like her parents, was congenital cataracts and glaucoma. Dad had coloboma. And coloboma, you mix up your blues and greens. You kind of colorblind. And to be honest with you, my parents, it was very important to my parents that they send us to Catholic school. And the, my sisters could either wear green or blue socks and living in a visually impaired house. So every, it's normal that everyone's visually impaired. My brothers and I used to mix their socks up so that they would wear one green and one blue unless my mother caught it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But that's, you, know, you know, it was just growing up uh, all together. My dad was the first legally blind x-ray technician. What? In, in the United States, yeah. In, in, the, uh, in the whole U.S.? Yes. Wow. So in the early 70s, he... he he went to school, got his license, and became an outstanding x-ray technician. Well, and about the fine neons. Yeah. I, I, well, listen, man, this guy is going to have five kids. He's going to need to support him. So, oh. so, you know, he, he did. My parents, have, my mother had to advocate for us, you know, um, as children in Catholic school the state wouldn't send the services we need into the Catholic school because of the church and state stuff. 
So my mother had to fight for us to get what we needed in school to get by. And I had such a difficult time with it. And I was young and I kind of gave up on school and I didn't do very well. But my friends, they're all getting jobs, McDonald's, Burger King. So I wanted to do what they were doing. So I did work at McDonald's for a short period of time with with my friends. And I quit with my friends, typical 15-year-old stuff. But then my best friend, who was one of 11 kids, and I'm one of five, so we both come from big families, he got a job working for Burger King. And I wanted to work with him. And they wouldn't hire me, but I kept coming back and kept coming back, kept coming back. And finally, they hired me. They let me do the most easy, basic job that they had, which meant that I only got limited hours. And the management staff wasn't really on board with even me getting more hours. So I was getting like 10, 15 hours a week. (laughs) That wasn't going to be good enough for me. So... I knew that the management staff wasn't with me, but I knew that the crew was. So at that time, the early 90s, I did whatever it took to learn Spanish. And these people appreciated it. And they taught me what I needed to know to get to the point where I was a full-time employee. And then further after that, and I'm I'm making this very short because this is a 10-year process that went on. But at 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 the end a new management team took over and the the head general manager basically got rid of everyone except me. <laughs> he gave me a dollar raise and he put me on a track towards management. Now, dad, dad, you know, was a trailblazer in the seventies doing what he did with x-rays and being a tech. Basically, I, I was the first person to become a manager for corporate Burger King that we know of that was legally blind. And, and it was really hard. It was very hard to do. Someone with normal sight, it would take them 11, 10 or 11 hours to, to run a shift. It took me 14 or 15 hours a day just to come. If I'm going to do the job, I was going to do the job right. Yeah. And, But working, you know, 75 hours a week with my vision and basically running a $6 million business with a handheld magnifying glass, and Uh, that's it. (laughs) It took its toll on my eyes. And my doctor said, you're going to have to find a new career because you're losing your vision and you don't have much. Anyway, (laughs) so there was this guy that would come in to my Burger King, he lived in in the town I lived in, and he I knew that he worked with my mother. So my mother would tell me to give this guy free food, but you never want to do that because if you give one person free food, forget it. They're, you know, everyone's going to want it. Yeah. And it gets out of hand. But this one day, I said to myself, you know what, let me give this guy free food and pick his brain because he was a placement guy for the Helen Keller Services for the Blind. I said to him, so, Tom, uh, what are you training blind people nowadays to do? Because <laughs> I can't do this job much longer. And he said, well, there's a company out there that's taking a lot of people, but it's really not your field, and you probably wouldn't like it. So I said, well, what's the name of the place? And they told me the name of the company. It was BPA International. So I looked them up. I called, I called the office myself, got myself an interview, and... 
took my first office job. Now, I couldn't believe that they were going to pay me to sit there and listen. You ever, you ever call your phone company or your cable company and you hear this call maybe monitored for quality assurance? Yeah. That's what I was doing. I was listening to calls and I couldn't believe how easy the job was. So a year goes by, I learn the business and they get a major project from Time Warner Cable and they need an, a night manager. And they tell me, we're going to give you two bucks an hour if you work overnight and just run the office overnight. And at the end of the project, you're going back to your original salary. I told them, I do not go backwards. I'm only going to make more money or else I'll just go somewhere else. I told them. So, so they paid me. So I, uh, we started that project and basically using principles that I learned and used at Burger King changed their business so that they could be productive enough and fast enough to do a hundred thousand calls in three months. And we did it. It was a huge success. It got me on salary and I, I was there for 12 years. And then finally I left because I found out that we were going to have a baby and my wife makes a lot more money than I did. And because a social security benefit for me would be high and my child would get that benefit. We said that we're going to at least pause my career and I'm, I was going to stay home with the baby. And that's exactly what I did. And it was great. Um, my wife was working for Cablevision on Long Island at the time. So she would go to work. I'd have the baby all day. And then, um, and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> and you know at the end of it all i've talked a lot in the last year in the different support groups i go to and stuff like that about advocacy and self-advocacy and how important it is and why awareness needs to be brought to people and that's why i'm talking to you and what i want to do is learn see I really only know about my own disability. I don't know about other people's disabilities. And I'm really working on that because I think that sometimes like, you know, it can't just be the blind people helping the blind people and the deaf people helping the deaf. Everybody, everybody has skin in the game and it's important that everybody be recognized, everyone be understood and listened to and, and I think it's very important and that's what I want to dedicate myself over the next period of time, however that long that is, to getting involved and helping out and, and doing what I can to raise awareness and, you know, have equal opportunities for everyone and all that kind of stuff. So I really thank you very much for, first of all, having this podcast and the honor of you asking me to do it. I won't forget it. Oh, thank you, Bonnie. That's very nice of you. I know, and I actually meant it. No, I'm just kidding. I know, I, I know. Oh, listen, I, I, listen, I need to believe you because at the end of the day, no matter, you know, every human has a story. We all have a story. Absolutely. We all and... have a story to share because guess what? Small or big, even if it helps one person, 
That can make all of the difference. Listen, even as a parent, my child is normally sighted. She's, you know, she doesn't have a disability. But I have to advocate for myself in this house all the time. If you point at what you want in front of me, you're not getting. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Good. No pointing. You have to. You, you, I need descriptive language. This kid's only. She's almost five. <laughs> I'm not an easy parent. It's just because I know she can do it. So I wanted to learn. Yeah. And and you know and then I find myself where, yeah, in school, I you know except for my brothers and sisters, I was the only person that I knew of that had a disability, and it was hard to deal with that in childhood and the bullying in the in the eighties. Bullying was not what it is today. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's a little, it's so little more aggressive. <laughs> Cyberbullying, especially. Oh my God. Well, we didn't have the cyber part back then. No, I know, I know but, that thing. Yeah, but I'm gonna have to watch out for this stuff with my little girl. And um, I lost my train of thought. Of it. Well, well, the bottom line is, oh no, I got it. I'm sorry. So now, I'm the disabled parent with all the other parents. Like I'm the only parent that doesn't drive. <laughs> It seemed like to me anyway. So I still have those feelings that that all human people have, but I assign the blame to my disability at times. And that's not right. That I should I should be a better advocate advocate for myself to myself at times. And I I think everybody hopefully does it. Hopefully it's not just me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second. How you said that whoa, wait, how you said that? Hold on. Um, say that again. Which part? <laughs> oh, sometimes I, I feel like I need to advocate for myself to myself. I have never heard that before. I never said it before. I, I have to, <laughs> Oh my, wow. That, wow. That's, it, it's just really, at this, listen, at this point in my life, I think that I'm more self-aware than I was before, and it's a good thing all around. I know who I am. I'm 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 proud of who I am and what I've dealt with and overcome. And I'm still working on a lot of things. <laughs> That's life. You know, there's always something to work on. Yeah. Um one of my I've had amazing opportunities since I got to come home from work and stay home to do incredible things I never would have had the opportunity to do. Now, incredible things to me are probably different than incredible things to you. I'm talking about I watched. So in, I left work in 2018. In 2018, my daughter was born in August. So in 2019, that spring, I watched every single play of the all 60 the, the ncaa college basketball tournament watch every wow. every single game season? i had to do a little i had to do a little dvring and juggling but i did it <laughs> last summer and i'm not getting into this i'm just telling you what i did and, and how long it took last summer i read the whole bible cover to cover i used study notes and tools like that Never would have had the opportunity to put. It took me four months 
I wouldn't have had the time to do that. I'm just now finishing up War and Peace by Tolstoy. That's no an way I would have ever read that. That's an amazing It's a great book. Great book. Okay. okay. Now, here's the thing. Now, yes. I, I think as you explain to this and to other people, it, it is a testimony that even if you have a disability, it doesn't define you. No. I mean, I just have to ask is, I mean, it, and, and furthermore, even, um, even though you have this, um, it gave you more of a power. I think that's true. I think that's true. I think that, first of all, for whatever reason, little children love me. Which is paying off right now because uh, every every parent, as the kids will get older, will tell you you're only going to be cool for so long. <laughs> and um, I think that children gravitate towards people with disabilities naturally. This is my opinion. Uh, I just it backed up by no fact. <laughs> um, and yeah, people like to, people like comeback stories and people like to see people succeed in situations where they don't think that the person can succeed. It's basically Rocky, the movie Rocky. It's basically my life. (laughs) It's always a fight somewhere. And good fights, not bad fights these days. I fight with a five-year-old a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And lose way more than I should. (laughs) <laughs> wow. wow! So, how long have you been doing this podcast? Because now I'm going to go back. And... Yeah, it's okay. I'm doing this show for over six months. You know, it has been somewhat slow, but now after I was able to put that on Facebook, I mean, I've been having so many people ask me, "Can I be on it?" I'm like, "Oh, sure." Yeah, I didn't know if you or not my wife saw you in a in one of the moms saw your uh, post in one of the moms groups and uh she said you know get in touch with this guy because she knows what i'm trying to do and she fully supports it and um yeah so if if you want to see more information about me um if you google bobby grogan mets or shea stadium or Field. In 2008 and 2009, my brother and I had we had the opportunities to do do two stories. So one was at the end of 2008, and the next one was on opening day of 2009. And it was about how we how we watch and what adaptive processes you watch Met games at Shea Stadium and City Field, and they were very successful articles and. The Mets actually responded to a few things that were concerns for us in the new stadium, and those concerns were addressed immediately. Yeah. So, I mean, the New York Islanders have done the same thing. My brother worked with the New York Islanders to to make it so that he could get headphones from them and have the radio while he's watching the game through his telescope and. You know that's how that's how we've always done it. So those are just things. You know we have to live in the world as it is. 
Well, so we've got to use the tools that we can use or we need to use our voices to make things fair and accommodating and even. So that's something we're, we're very proud of. Yes. Okay. Now, ooh, wow, that was, that's a, that was very good. Okay. Now, okay. Now, also, I was going to ask, oh, I was going to ask, um, if you have three tips or advice to give to someone or a parent who is also struggling, um, how would you, um, how would you, um, help them? I think the main, I think the things that I would tell someone are be true to yourself. Like, don't think to yourself, oh, I'm going to bring down my child because of my disability or, you know, this is my fault. And then, a child with a disabled parent, that parent has an opportunity to provide their child with more of an education and and a social a social not conscience but they'll be socially better because they understand different people and different people's disabilities and, and problems just people's problems so last year and and this is i'm still answering your question i know i go on forever Why, you're last year <laughs> i was the keynote speaker at silo suffix independent living center they do a conference every year and i'm their keynote speaker and i told a story from last summer so last summer we live in a co-op not for long we, we just bought a house so we're, we're getting out of here and, and we're going to lose obviously the co-op has a pool so this is our last summer going to that pool but the summer before this one last summer we meet this little girl and her brother and the little boy, and, and I'm with my kid, and they're with their grandma. And the little boy is just trying to show me how strong he is and how far he can swim. But the little girl is asking questions. <laughs> she said, my daddy's 48 years old. And I said, no way, I'm 48 years old. <laughs> and then she said, my daddy's eyes look better than yours. Oh. And now I'm now all the wheels are turning again. I'm like, this is really important. This is a little kid. I got to get this right. What should I say? And before I even spoke, you know what happened? My daughter said, oh, don't worry. Don't worry, Lily. My dad just doesn't see very well. And neither does my grandma. <laughs> but oh. So my, the point is it took care of itself. Katie took care of it for me. <laughs> oh. She advocated for her dad. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. And the other thing is, be honest with people, be open, be open to educating people. And don't be afraid of people's ignorance. Yeah. People are ignorant. And, you know, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Somebody said that once. <laughs> I forget who. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think those are the things I'd say. Be open and honest and, and talk to people about what's going on in your life and learn and, and then ask them about their lives <laughs> yes you know don't be closed up within yourself and don't think one second that any parent brings down their child because they have a disability or any of that kind of stuff 
parents are all supposed to be parents, or at least most of them are. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Very well said. Thank you, Evan. You know, and I, you know, I gotta say, out of all the stories I've heard, I mean, I am in such awe. Really, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, hearing it, I mean, hearing this, I mean, you know, in half an hour, it it shows, it really shows how you can defy the odds. Got no choice. <laughs> exactly, because hence the saying, "God helps those." help themselves and i agree with that 100 obviously but i also had a huge advantage my parents being blind and my brothers and sisters being blind blind were and still are a huge advantage for me because i know so many people whose parent who had a child and the child was blind and they didn't know what to do and they wanted to be protective and now the kid's 40 and still living in the basement. You know what I'm saying? There's just no way to live. Huh. So it goes both ways. So when I meet parents with children with disabilities, I tell them, you know, they need to scrape their knees. Yes, they do. First of all, because guess what? Because how can they ever learn? Because guess what? It's been it's been proven. Um, helicopter parenting, it actually, instead of helping, it's actually extremely, um, it's very um, hurtful. Yes. Yeah. And you can't pick and choose your issues. You, you have to deal with, you have to deal with Sometimes. the whole life. Your whole, your child's life is, you're responsible for every aspect of it, at least for 18 years. <laughs> and, and also, you know, something that so many people have to understand is that it's important to, you know, to um, let your kids fail. Absolutely. Simply let them fail because that is the only way that they will learn. Absolutely. I've got a friend, I've got a friend whose Kid has never failed the test, but the mom does, makes them do, makes them do all the homework and stuff and all the stuff. But it's not real. Like she's forcing them to do it. They need to decide. They're teenagers. They need to decide to do it themselves, <laughs> and they need to fail. If you don't fail now, when you're young, it's gonna be really hard when you're old. And I've trust me, I've failed a lot in my life. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of evening out now, though. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I mean, I'm about to move into a house where from my from my daughter's bedroom window, you can see the school so I can walk her to school every day. I can walk her to her dance studio. It's a five minute walk. Same with Taekwondo. This kid's very busy. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. But that was my main issue. My main issue was I need to be able to walk to the places I need to get to for for my kid because you know my wife's working she's working two jobs yeah. from home you know but still still a lot of hours and a lot of demand you know I want to be able to do as much as I possibly can so when when the realtor called us and said I'm standing in your house I was like 
Yeah, okay. And then when I saw it, I was like, the street's too busy. I know I'm going to hate it. And I walked into that place and I fell in love. And we move in in two months. Nice. <laughs> I'm so psyched. <laughs> right? It's That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Going from yeah. a small house, to, going from a small house to a, you know, you we're know? going from a one-bedroom toy store that exploded to a castle for us. Oh. <laughs> Plus, it's a castle. That's that's awesome. I, I can't believe we made it work here for the last five years. I mean, every birthday, the, the toys just come. <laughs> we we really, it, it really is a, a a toy a toy store that exploded. Oh my god. I can imagine. Oh, oh actually, uh, time. Actually, a little on time. But um, yes, like I said, what an inspiring story. Um, again, it was an honor to have you on my show. Trudy. It was an honor to be with you. I, I really enjoyed the, taking the time. And, and, and I'm sure we'll talk soon again. Oh, definitely. We will. And, um, and and you just got a new follower, so I'll I'll, I'll watch. What do you do once a week? Uh, as of now, yep, once a week. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You got you got. I'll get you a couple more followers. Please, thank you, buddy. Thank you so much, Bobby. You're welcome, and thank you again for having me. Thank you.